Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Living here in the D.C. region, we all know this sound too well. With more than 80 flights in and around the district every day, helicopters are really a mainstay of the DMV soundscape, right up there with the blaring ambulance sirens and the sputtering metro buses. But to some, this chest-shaking thump of a chopper is oppressive, dangerous even. And for years, a group of residents and politicians, led by D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton and Virginia U.S. Representative Don Beyer, they've really called for higher flight restrictions for a quieter D.C. And back in April, federal officials agreed in part and started to require choppers to fly higher when able, but only in northern Virginia, not in the district or Maryland. This partial win for these advocates happened only after federal agencies received consistent complaints from residents through what's called the HNCS, or the Helicopter Noise Complaint System. It's a system that was born out of a comprehensive study of helicopter flights here in the D.C. area done by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Heather Krauss is with the GAO and helped write this report. She joins us now to tell us about the rules of the sky the adverse effects of persistent helicopter noise, and why our region has so many choppers in the first place. Heather, thanks so much for making the time and being here. Thank you for having me. I know we're in this nice room set up in the JO offices here in DC. So we've got this report. It's about 61 pages, and it's really one of the first documents that assessed what's going on to helicopters in the sky above the District of Columbia. So before we get into the details, and there are a lot of them, I'm excited to nerd out on all these details here. You know, why was this report first made? What's kind of the why behind the 61-page report? Yeah, so um, as we do a GAO work, it was requested by some members of Congress, and so this came in to us in the 2018-2019 timeframe, requested by a number of the the local delegations in the uh, D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. So, you know, they came to us with some questions around, you know, just better understanding the type of noise that was occurring from helicopters, what the sources might be, the operators, what folks were doing to address or mitigate noise issues, Mm. and, and, and other potential strategies to address noise. And so that's what led us to do this work and sort of design it around really three key areas. And so our work was really looking at, you know, what what's known about, you know, helicopter operations and noise in the D.C. area. Um, second, what are FAA and operators in the area doing to, to address or mitigate noise concerns? And then three, what are potential strategies to further address noise concerns? Mm, mm. And I think it's kind of this issue that's out of sight, out of mind sometimes, right? We see helicopters blare past. But as I was reading in the report, there are some actual impacts you can have if there is too much noise kind of coming down, raining down on you uh, so frequently. So how many helicopters are flying in and around you know, the D.C. area? Were you able to quantify that in this report? 
Yeah, so the the available data we were able to access that were sort of reliable um, and able to report on was 2017 to 2019, a kind of time frame. And so within that time frame, we found around 88,000 um, helicopter operations Whoa. that were occurring in the D.C. <laughs> area in, those, in that three-year window. I mean, that seems like a lot. I don't know. I'm not very familiar with helicopter flights per capita you know, around the country, but is that a high number? So the, this kind of data is, uh, you know, isn't something we compared to other urban areas. It was a, um, it was data that you know we had to work closely with FAA to get. That's not readily available. Right. So, um, I mean, I would say when we did look at the data, for the most part, we saw a slight decrease in operations over that time frame. But for the most part, they stayed fairly steady in terms of the number of operations that occurred mm. in that three-year um, time time frame. And did the report go into you know who's really flying? All these planes, I mean, anyone who lives here knows, or helicopters, I should say, anyone who lives here knows, you know, we've got military presence, we've got police presence like any place. We've got a lot of different agencies working around here. Did that play into this report? Absolutely. So we, uh, what we did was uh, look at the data and try to understand that exact question of who's operating in this area. And so we identified over 50 different operators that um, had some type of operations during that three-year window of data that we examined. The largest sort of operator that we found was the military, so roughly 37% of operations um, during that time frame. But you also have, as you were saying, a lot of different users. So it's everything from air medical to local law enforcement to uh, federal law law enforcement, among other kind of users. And and we were looking at the 30-mile radius, so it's not just like in the D, um, close-in radius around D.C., but kind of getting out into the Virginia, Maryland area. Mm, surrounding counties. Yeah. And, you know, when I was paging through the report, I saw this interesting map that kind of showed where these helicopters really travel. So it's not so much that they're, you know, spread across every inch of the D.C. area. There's actually some kind of channels or pathways they, they frequent. Yeah, so, um, you know, the FAA had worked, uh, local air traffic control had worked to develop a, what they call a helicopter route structure to offer some pathways for these operations. I mean, this is a highly restricted airspace as well and complex because you're dealing with um, the uh, DCA. So Reagan National Airport is also right here and creates a, a complex airspace where you have to kind of safely navigate between helicopters and passenger airlines mm. coming into DCA. And so, yeah, there is a structure that, you know, FA can work with other urban areas in the country and sort of develop these types of structures. But yeah, we had talked with a lot of these operators to better understand, like, where are you operating? Because the data is not readily available to sort of track exactly where these they're, they're operating and found that most of the operators are really seeking to try to travel along those routes. A lot of those routes are over, you know, waterways and yeah. highways. So you have things like over the Potomac and over like the Beltway, for example, mm. as paths that you might see helicopters flying. There are also, as you said, some zones there as well for folks to, to traverse and, and communicate with air traffic control on where they're going in this highly restricted airspace. So yeah, there's yeah, there's certainly um, that that we found was you know folks are trying to use those paths as much as possible, but really mission dictates where some of these operators need to go. Right. I think that was something we heard a lot from local law enforcement and others is just there are mission requirements you know that that um, sometimes can take them off of those types of preferred routes. Right, if a bad guy's trying to get away, mm -hmm. you got to follow <laughs> you know where they're where they're going. When you're talking about the Potomac River. Anyone who goes around that area sees planes kind of coming in and also helicopters flying across that river. So 
they've got to negotiate, you know, how high can I go? <laughs> Am I going to crash into a plane? Stuff like that. Did you find that? Yeah. I mean, that was where, you know, FAA has set from safety perspective, yeah. some maximum altitudes. And so, um, you know, they have to, those helicopters have to maintain a certain vertical separation from, from passenger aircraft for a safety buffer. Um, and because again, you have those, as you said, those uh, aircraft coming in, those passenger aircraft coming into DCA over the Potomac, you have points on some of those routes where the the minimum or the maximum altitude is fairly low. It's just a couple couple hundred feet above sea level. Right. And, you know, this might be a silly question, but I saw a graph in the report that kind of answered it, which is why are helicopters so loud? Like what actually creates all of that sound that can really shake your chest, you know, what what creates that? There's a number of factors that really interplay in anyone's kind of experience with helicopter noise. And so you do have the design of a helicopter, which you may have seen um, in the reports you have, you know, that can really affect the type of noise. So if you have the the main rotor and the, and the rear rotor and some of the other ways that it, yeah, just kind of the design of it can affect noise. But there's other things as well, and those all interplay in different ways. So operational, the way they operate, the kind of operational procedures. So again, if you're, you know, different altitudes can affect the level of noise, um, the way they maneuver, the way they come into come into land and the steepness of that landing can affect the, the noise level as well. And weather can play a factor into how people experience noise. Everything from like the wind as well as the temperature can affect how one might observe the noise or experience the noise from a helicopter. We've been hearing from Heather Krauss, Director of Physical Infrastructure at the Government Accountability Office. Coming up after the break, we talk about the health risks of living under persistent helicopter noise. Stick around. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. And we're back. Heather, what's at stake if helicopter noise is too loud, too persistent? Are there health risks associated with too much helicopter noise? Or is there no health risk and it's just a common annoyance? Yeah, I mean, there isn't a lot of data on like the noise uh, specifically related to helicopters in the D.C. area, but there are certainly studies that have been done looking at sort of aircraft or aviation noise and its impact on and its negative effects. And so, you know, there are, you know, community annoyance, obviously, the annoyance of experiencing helicopter noise, but there can also be some some negative effects around health. Um, some of those studies have found, you know, the risk of um, potential risk of increased cardiovascular disease. Like you know, blood we, pressure. Yeah. And then uh, we also talked, you know, with local community groups. That was a part of our work as well. Um, and asking them the kinds of things they are experiencing. And, and like the studies, disrupted sleep is, is another factor that can affect, you know, can be an effect from noise. Um, and, and the rattling of the houses. And so there are some, some effects of, with noise. I mean, I think that's why it's really important in terms of the work that we did and our recommendation to FAA 
is to try to better understand. I mean, um, you know, members of the community have an opportunity to submit complaints to FAA, and they have made some improvements as an agency in how they're collecting that information mm. um, and, the, and, and, and the quality of that information or striving to get better quality information. Um, but, you know, what we found is there's a real opportunity there for FAA and the operators to better share information on where these concerns are occurring um, so that they can start to think through what are some of the strategies, if any, that we need to take in terms of mitigating helicopter noise. Yeah. I also saw one kind of adverse effect was uh, the ability of kids to learn. Like it, it, there, was, there was a study in the UK near Heathrow Airport that talked about kids who were learning to read under significant airplane noise. You know, they didn't learn to read as quickly as some other children did around the area. So there are possible adverse effects, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was certainly what we saw in the studies as well. Mm. And so going towards you know, the end of the report, like solutions, how do you solve this you know, issue? Helicopters got to go places, but how do we kind of make that balance? Yeah, I mean, we spoke, like I said, with operators in the in the region. We spoke with 18 of them. Um, that really made up about 70% of the operations that we saw in the data from 2017 to 2019 to get a nice cross-section of what are the things that they're doing given the range of missions um, in terms of taking steps to mitigate noise. And so they cited things like there is a some guidance FAA has put out there encouraging practices of what they call fly neighborly practices. Mm. You know, things where to the extent possible trying to fly at maximum altitudes, the way they maneuver and other things. So encouraging operators to try to to use those types of practices to help mitigate some noise to the extent possible. Um, And operators told us that they're, you know, they they do use those as as much as they can with their missions, also training their pilots on those types of procedures and other things. So they cited some things that they've been uh, working to do. You know, we talked to local community groups to get their perspectives on what did they see as other options in terms of reducing noise. Uh, or, or mitigating or managing noise concerns. They identified a number of, of different options. So things from, you know, potentially FA could look at redoing its route structure. It could look at raising, you know, the, the maximum altitude. They could look at um, hold it, having a limit to the minimum altitude and those sorts of things. I think what's important with those types of solutions and, and looking to implement those types of solutions is there are a number of factors to consider in doing that. So things like safety, yeah. Cost and sort of again mission requirements because I think that was something we heard from some of these operators is you know to the extent possible they're trying to um, trying to use in some of these practices that FAA has identified but um, sometimes mission dictates other operations. I mean, I would say, though, one of the things that can be done is, is you know, seeing FAA better sharing and working with operators to better collaborate and share information on noise complaints or other noise information. And so FAA has a portal that folks can go, and if they experience, you know, have, have information and an issue with noise, they can file a complaint both for aircraft or for helicopters, and there's a, a website to do that. And then what we've encouraged is, because FAA also encourages individuals if they see or experience and have noise concerns to reach out directly to the operator. And what we have found is that, you know, that kind of sharing of information isn't incurring or is incurring in a limited and inconsistent basis. And so there's a real opportunity here for them to come together, share some information and really determine are there opportunities here for us to to take action or, you know, like better understand where the concerns are coming from. Mm. In other words, open some channel between the operators and those on the ground. Because if you're operating, you're not necessarily thinking, 
are my rotors hurting the ears of a resident of, A? Yeah, you know? there's a lot of, um, you know, operators, you know, we heard from some of the operators, they do work closely with the communities and have seen some success in that as well. So things like um, folks around um, hospitals and also folks around military bases working with their communities to, to understand where the concerns are coming from. So mm. I do think it is a partnership and everyone kind of getting better information to be able to respond appropriately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a buddy in the Navy who flies helicopters. So I like before this interview, I asked him, hey, why are helicopters so loud? Like what's what's going on here? And he talked about these uh, helicopters that don't have rear propellers. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually use like just a different set of technology to you know go upwards. And he was like, oh, they're like 50% less noisy than like other uh, helicopters. Mm-hmm. Was that a conclusion you found in your report that there are some helicopters that are just less noisy than others? Is that a solution or is that just too complicated? to solve this very complex issue, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that was an area, you know, coming up with improving technology was certainly an area that folks identified as a way to address noise. Again, it kind of gets back into just thinking through the the implications or the factors that need to be considered. And so um, replacing helicopters can be expensive and costly. And so, I mean, that's something that that operators would have to consider in terms of upgrading technology. Well, Heather, thanks for coming on and kind of shedding light on the status of helicopters here in our area. We all know them, we all hear them, how you know they maybe could get less noisy. Appreciate it. And before we go, if you actually have a complaint about helicopter noise overhead, you can call 877-209-3200. That's 877-209-3200. Or you can go online to www.plainnoise.com forward slash DC Metro. Again, just kind of play this back if you didn't catch all that. But at those two places, you can, you know, report persistent, noisy helicopter rotor sound. um, And it'll get logged and, you know, maybe it will cause higher flight restrictions in the future. That'll do it for us today here on the DMV Download Podcast. Thanks again, as always, for listening to the show. I love doing it. You know, let us know how we're doing on this show on your favorite podcast platform. You can give us some stars, you can leave us a review, or just send me an email or DM me on Twitter. And a big thanks to WTOP News, who makes this show possible. You can listen to WTOP on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com, and of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week. We'll talk Wednesday.